tell you, this one was hard. Because I, I am finding the ones that I, I'm super familiar with the movies mm-hmm. to be harder than normal because I, I find it very tedious and difficult to notate them. Oh, yeah. It's like I've seen this movie a million times. Also, the crunch was a lot trickier than I was anticipating. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, I guess we'll get to that. Oh, man, what's my intro? Hold on. I had it. Now it's gone Uh-oh. because that's just the way my brain works. Okay, so welcome to Creature Crunch. So welcome, so welcome, <clears throat> wow, yeah, I know, welcome to Creature Crunch, the podcast where we take a creature, feed your players to it, and then, oh, oh god, oh no, oh my god, there's too many of them, oh, there's just, there's just so many. My name is Matt. And I'm busy filming, filming Apollo 13. <laughs> and, uh, we're here to talk about, um, yet another movie that is very near and dear to my heart, Tremors 2, um... Just to cover a little bit of background here, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but back when I was a, a wee little Matt, um, I couldn't have been more than 10, maybe 8, I don't remember. Well, my, my family and I took a trip out to visit um, relatives in Illinois. Let's get rid of them jingles. What a, what an obedient dog. He's a very <laughs> good boy for the most part. Uh-huh. Uh. A little rambunctious and stanky. But, oh, and he's a himbo. Um, <laughs> really is. <laughs> so anyway, um, my, my family and I took a trip to visit relatives. And I remember one morning I got up and I was playing t- with toys or something in front of the TV. And it just so happened to be playing the, the beginning of Tremors 2. Okay. Um, and I wasn't really paying attention until I looked up and I watched the, the main, the guy get eaten by the giant worm. And immediately I was just like, I want to watch this movie, but we were about to go somewhere. Ah. So I was like, no, fortunately my uncle had a, a feature that is, was uncommon back then where you could just click a button on the remote and it would tell you, Hey, this is what you're watching on this channel. Right. Right. You know, that, I mean, that's a pretty standard feature these days, but back then it was pretty unique and that's how we were. Oh, it's tremors too. So I was like, Oh my God, I got to watch this. I got to see this movie sometime because we had to leave. And so when we got back, that's when we, I looked into it and found, Oh, well, I gotta watch the first one first. And, and I mean, the rest was Mm -hmm. history. So, but that, that, that was kind of my introduction to this. So the, the opening scene of this movie is very near and dear to my heart. Oh yeah. And this movie in general is, um, looking at it through a, like an unbiased lens, the movie doesn't hold up as as hard. I was, it's been a while since I've seen the second one. Sure. And I was surprised at how bored I got during most of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there, yeah, I think that a lot of the entertainment value is is wrapped up in nostalgia for me. Um, I do think that it is one of those that could be defined as maybe not a perfect sequel, but mm-hmm. a, a very good sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's not it definitely doesn't surpass the first no. one, but it does. It like it's clearly an, a a follow up. It's expands the universe and it does something new. Mm-hmm. And like as far as a sequel goes, what more can you ask for? Um, Def, Kevin Bacon, and Reba McIntyre. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people wanted that, yeah. <laughs> including Kevin Bacon and Reba McIntyre, from what I was reading. Yeah. Um, but uh, regardless, um, I, I do think it's a good. It is a good sequel, and for the a product of the times, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it holds up to a modern lens, but it really doesn't. 
especially the more I've watched it, because I've watched it a few times recently because my daughter got really into it. But, uh, whatever. So, I, I don't know what else to say about this movie other than, like, I mean, if you've seen it, you've seen it, you know it, you love it, probably. Um, if you haven't seen it, I don't know where you came from. But um, we'll just go ahead and jump on into this, I think. Okay. Um, it was, of course, directed and written... It was directed by S.S. Wilson and written by Brent Maddock, S.S. Wilson, and Ron Underwood. So the, all three of them, the ones that worked on the first one. So this is their thing. Like, right. this is their continuation and, and a very true to that. Um, and originally, uh, I haven't notated elsewhere, but I'll, I'll cover it now since we've been kind of beating around the bush on it. Uh, originally, they did script Reba McIntyre and Kevin Bacon to reprise their roles in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but unfortunately, Reba McIntyre was busy with a tour and Kevin Bacon had commitments with Apollo 13. Right. So both of them had to bow out. Uh, and mm -hmm. unfortunately, that slashed the movie's budget from $17 million to $4 million. And you can tell. It's... They did a good job, I with think. With what they had, they did a pretty good job. But, but you can definitely tell it didn't have the budget of the first one. Oh, absolutely. Um, they had a graboid puppet. <laughs> and it was a repurposed puppet from the first movie. Right. And it, like They had just the head. Mm -hmm. And then all of the, the shriekers are uh, CGI, pretty much. Mostly. Except, there's, there's like one puppet. That's they, they had two animatronics, okay. two puppets, and then the rest were CGI. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, you you can definitely tell that the budget got slashed. And it's mid ninety CGI, so it's it's bad. It's, it's not it's, great. It's There's not a great. lot of reused assets. <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst I've seen. No, but... gosh, no, gosh, no. <laughs> but but it gets the point across, and that's the, the that's the important. The shriekers thing, I look think. like they are in the environment. It just looks like they're all mind linked, so they're all moving the same way. Right. Right. Um, although I do appreciate how they look, like yeah, when they, when they, they move and neat. stuff. But, they do look cool. But we'll, we'll cover that when we get to it. Um, but yeah, the movie got slashed, uh, and I guess it was locked in development hell for two minutes, two, uh, around two years after it was made. Oh, really? Because they, they showed it to test audiences. They did, you mm -hmm. know, pre-screenings and test audiences loved it. They adored it way more than anybody anticipated. Wow. And so all of a sudden the producers and the audiences were trying to push for a theatrical release. Oh. And that's what happened. It got locked in, in headlock because they wanted a theatrical release, a wide right. theatrical release. But it obviously didn't get it because the you know the the executives were just like, No, 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 are you are you insane? It's it's a low budget No, yeah. we don't have we don't even have Kevin Bacon. Get the hell out of here. So um your main character, you're like your big star, is the second guy from the first Tremors. Right, right. Um, so he, uh, so yeah, the movie got delayed for two years, and then it did hit the direct video, which it is what it is. Yeah. But, um, but I do think it's interesting that even back then, like people watched it and knew that hey, this is a good movie. We mm -hmm. enjoy this. So, um, so we we'll go ahead and jump in. Uh, we open up with legs. Yep. There. Pair of legs. Pair of legs. Yep. Um, the movie tells us that we're in uh, Chiapas, Mexico, um, where Chiapas is a heavily rainforested area, and we're supposed to be in Chihuahua, Mexico. Okay. Um, but apparently this was due to a miscommunication with the effects department. Like, Oops. yeah, S.S. Wilson was even like, yeah, no, we they, 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 they misheard. We didn't double check. That's our bad. That's, <laughs> because I guess I, I didn't catch it in any of my viewings, but I guess one of the characters in the movie even says Chihuahua, Mexico. Okay. But whatever. Um, 
But yeah, the, we, we get this uh, Mexican oil worker mm-hmm. climbing around on a pipe and being very, very freaked out. And like, if you know what you, you know, like, if you know what you're going in for, you know what he's running from. When I was a kid, I had no idea, and I was intrigued. Right. But um, he hops from barrel to barrel. Yeah, he and... jumps from barrel to barrel, and then uh, it doesn't work out for him. No. He gets eaten by the, uh, the by the repurposed puppet. Yep. Which isn't a bad effect. It's they, a they fine do... puppet. It was a fine puppet in the first movie, mm-hmm. so it, it's fine. Yep. So he gets eight. And I'd rather have a bad practical effect than a bad CGI effect any day of the week. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Bad. At least a bad practical effect is is, in, there. is look at, and and it, it's fun to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Bad CGI is just cringy. And it does give the actor something to work against instead mm-hmm. of a ball on a stick. Yep. Um, so then we cut to Earl from the first movie, um, who is reprised by the late Fred Ward. I'm assuming it's before he died. I, it, I, I would hope so, okay. <laughs> considering he died within the last, like, year. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just the way that, where you, way you phrase that, reprised by the late Fred Ward. <laughs> I get your meaning, but it's a very funny way to phrase that. Zombie Fred Ward plays Earl. Yeah. Maybe too soon. I apologize. He's um, but he's wrangling some ostriches and trying to get them to breed. Uh, but both them ostriches are male, so he's not going to have I much luck. I didn't catch that. That's very funny. Yeah. Well, it's not intentional. Um, oh. I, I just saw it on the uh, like some of the trivia in the movie. There, okay. like one person was like, "Yeah, his problem. Part of his problem why they're not getting along is uh-huh. probably because they're both dudes." That's funny. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, I, I give, <laughs> I give, um, I give Earl props for his his progressive attitude but you ain't gonna get babies from that no that's funny (laughs) um and i even though it's a goof i do like to think that it is canon in the movie (laughs) i don't know if it's a goof or not because like i don't know the way fred has been or uh earl has been scammed with like all this other stuff it makes sense it it really would it really would make sense (laughs) because he wouldn't know like that they're two male ostriches like yeah. <laughs> he doesn't really know how he got in the situation of owning ostriches in the first place. That's a good point. Like, the way that... Because you're right. The way he talks is like he just kind of... He made a fortune from his survival of the first movie and basically blew it. Like, he's a washed-up celebrity yeah. at this point because he just recklessly spent his money. And I could easily see it. Like, well, a, a like the traveling he... ostrich salesman. Like, <laughs> yeah. hey, friend, if you buy these two ostriches, you can make a fortune make them, <laughs> breeding them and getting babies. Right, right. <laughs> but, like, the way he phrased it when he was talking with, um, with Grady is that he didn't make rich, like, other people made rich off of him. Right. So it's not like he made a ton of money. He made enough money to get by. And then when he did try to invest it, he ended up owning two male ostriches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He did invest it poorly. That That is correct. Yeah. Basically, the, the implication is he made poor decisions. Yeah. And got swindled by everybody. Right. Right. Which is, I feel, a pretty accurate representation yeah. of somebody who would have gone through that sort oh, yeah, of situation. Yeah. Makes me really wonder what, like how Val ended up. Like, we, we get he a mention, married, but... He uh, married the girl from the first movie, apparently. Right. And they went off and did something else. But, like, financially. Yeah. How, did, I, I mean, I would have to assume that um, Rhonda had a little bit more financial savviness, yeah. but then again, why wouldn't they have... I don't, whatever. It's funny. Um, but, yeah, poor, poor poor Earl. He's, he's having a rough time. Um, a taxi pulls up. And deposits um, a man named Senor Ortega, who's played by Marcelo Tubert, who's best known for his voice acting. I thought I recognized his voice. He does a lot of minor voices in pretty much every video game. I, I thought I recognized <laughs> his voice. <laughs> 
And uh, the driver of the taxi is Grady Hoover, played by Chris Garden. Um, Ortega is an executive for one of Mexico's most lucrative oil companies, which is unnamed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he wants to hire Earl to hunt the Graboids, because they are basically threatening the livelihood of this oil company by and the surrounding community because i guess there's a lot of little yeah he, he does by themselves he does mention he does mention that there are isolated residents that are uh-huh. in danger it, it definitely does feel like ortega does feel genuine mm-hmm. but i also get the distinct impression that, i mean it's come on it's an oil he, company yeah, they yeah. don't give two shits about the residents no no that was just more of a well, we need to give him a little we, bit of appeal to, to his a, humanity. We a need to bit. appeal to his sense of heroics. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, Earl is not thrilled about this. Yeah. Um, and Ortega explains that he already asked um, Val McKee and was to turn down because, as we mentioned, <laughs> he's in space. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's, in, he's in space and is leaving his wife in New York. <laughs> yeah. Um. But. Uh, Grady Hoover, uh, who is Earl's self-proclaimed biggest fan. Um, the, the implications of this entire opening scene are so funny to me. Because it's like, everyone just accepts that, A, these monsters exist. Uh-huh. And that's just a thing we all have to deal with now, is that <laughs> monsters are real. <laughs> and, like, of course they marketed the hell out of it. Like, there's an arcade cabinet <laughs> about Graboids. They were in a Reebok commercial. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh-huh. <laughs> running, running through the desert, yeah. No, it's, it is very, the world building in this opening scene is very good. It's very funny, yeah. Um. Also, uh, this would probably be more touched up on um, if and when we eventually do Tremors 3. Uh-huh. But in between now and, um, and Tremors 3, the monsters, the Graboids do become... A protected species. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they aren't monsters; they're animals at that point. They, right. These things are actual, just animals that people just have to deal with. They're they're indigenous to, I don't know, and everywhere, uh, <laughs> wherever the hell the movie wants them to be. Yeah, um, I some guess deserty area. <laughs> yeah, some some desert. Apparently, this movie was originally supposed to be featured in Australia when it had the oh, bigger cool. budget, but yeah, um, you could have had graboids eating kangaroos at that point. <laughs> But, um, yeah, the, the, they were apparently made in, yeah, an endangered species. So like, like there's a lot of, uh, a lot of trivia, um, saying how, like before this movie, they were recently discovered after this movie, they were made a protected species. So likely what happened is even after the events of this movie, the oil company probably got shut down because they were on graboid protected land, right? Yeah. <laughs> which is Really funny. Yeah, well, that and, like, there wasn't a whole lot left of the area after the end of this movie. <laughs> well, I mean, the area was fine. Eh. <laughs> but, um, and I do like that there's no, there is, like, no love lost for the, uh, <laughs> there, or there's no sympathy for the oil company as no, a whole. No, no. Like, the people, it's really sad, but, like, at the end of the movie, they're like, yeah, whatever, they still owe us a ton of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, do you think we could get paid for the little ones? <laughs> but, um, so Grady, you know, he goes in and he is 
trying to convince Earl to take the offer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's telling him, you know, the company's going to pay you fifty thousand for each confirmed kill. The, the Mexican gov- the uh, Mexican blah, 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 blah. the Mexican military is going to give you literally anything you ask for. You are going to be set. We have the intel. We have the the means. Like yeah. it's going to be fine. And Earl was protesting, like, no, I already blew it once. I went through a life, you know, a life-endangering situation, a life-threatening situation that was traumatic. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd argue that Earl definitely exhibits... Um, Some PTSD. PTSD yeah. in this movie, um, which I don't blame yeah, him for. Like, for sure. that's that seems very accurate to what might have happened. Um, but he's like, you know, no, I went through that. And I blew my chance afterwards. I am not doing that again. And he's he's got a pin up of a a, a Playboy uh, centerfold. He's like, you know, she's there reminding me that you know what, unattainable goals are exactly right. that they're unattainable. So, um, but eventually Grady does convince Earl, like, hey, let's give it a shot. And then Grady's like, by the way, BT Dubs, I'm coming with. <laughs> um, I'm your new Kevin Bacon. Yep. <laughs> well, no, Earl is the new Kevin Bacon. Yeah, that, Grady okay. is the new Earl. <laughs> there you go. I, I, that is much more apt. <laughs> but um, so the pair head down to Mexico, and uh, they're they're going to meet. Hold on. Oh yeah, on their they head down to Mexico. Um, on their way down, we learn that Grady doesn't know what rock paper scissors is. Yeah, which is honestly to me the most unbelievable fact in this entire movie. Yeah, <laughs> like who the hell? Like I know that there are gaps in knowledge for people, and yeah. that's that is an interesting phenomenon that happens. But come on, Grady. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Grady's annoying. <laughs> I don't mind him. I found him really grating. Great Gradying. Gradying. I don't mind him, but again, that could be mostly nostalgia. So. Yeah. But they head down to Mexico. Um, they meet with Earl's future love interest, Kate, who's played by mm-hmm. Helen Shaver, uh, who, if you didn't know, is the voice actress who plays Littlefoot's mother in the first Land Before oh, really? movie. Yes. Wow. Yeah, as soon as I heard, like read that, I heard it. Like I was like, oh my God, I can, yeah. She's going to be telling me about tree stars and how to die. Yep. <laughs> and make me cry a lot as a yeah. kid. Yep. And that's true, but that's not the only thing, you guys. This is Precambrian rock. Precambrian? That means that this is the oldest life form on the planet. I mean, other than, you know, one cell thing, but look at that. Um, but she's a geologist who works for the oil company. And uh, we also meet future corpses, Julio. At least, like, a geologist makes much more sense than a volcanologist, I have to say. <laughs> it does a little bit. Um, but yeah, we also meet future corpses, Julio, uh, who's Kate's assistant and chief engineer, Pedro. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is a, like uh, an effect of the budget constraints or what, but like the first movie had a, a fairly large cast of, a, a of, decently sized cast of interesting characters. And mm-hmm. most of them like make it through most of the movie before dying. Right. These guys, it's like you have four characters, one of them who doesn't start down here and everyone else is dead immediately. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and they have no personality. And they have no Next personality. No personality. No. Like, in the first movie, everyone has their own weird little quirks, and they're, like, they're very memorable. Like, you can des- you can describe each of them by just the, like, Without quirks. using their names, Without right. Without using their names, yeah. And it's this one, it's just like, well, I don't know. There's the one guy who died in the window, and one guy who died in the back of a truck, and we never saw him. <laughs> right? No, they are, they are literally just future corpses. Yeah. Um, 
and you're probably right. It is probably a result mm-hmm. of the budget, I'd have to imagine, because it's the same writing team. Yeah. So. But, like, how much more interesting would this have been if, like, this place would have been packed with people? Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. Like, they, the way that they explain it out is that, you know, it's they shut the oil fields well, yeah, down because yeah. it's dangerous. They lost six people off camera. Um, yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> but, um, but, no, I agree. Like, the, the, the movie that this could have been would have been wildly interesting. Yeah, I would yeah. love to take a peek at that universe. But um, And it has a weirdly low body count. Yeah, there's only... Uh, <laughs> what, we see three? There, there are three on-screen deaths. And six Well, I, I on-screen... Two quote, and a half. Quote, two and a half. Um, three on-screen deaths, although somebody on uh, IMDb also credited the coyote as a death. <laughs> That's not on-screen, you just hear that one. <laughs> I know, but it's really <laughs> funny to me. It's even less on-screen than, uh, than uh, the dude in the back of the truck. <laughs> but yeah, it's a low body count. I mean, the first one honestly had a relatively low body count for the yeah, size of the, the it's cast, true, it's true, but, but at least you saw all of them. Yeah, more or less. More or less, yeah. They they happened while the camera was rolling. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, like you were saying, it, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the, the budget, the, yeah, the which budget. is really sad because mm-hmm. this could have been, this could have been something special. It could have been really, really good. Um, but, uh, Senor Ortega gives them what they requested from the Mexican military and, uh, also drops the idea that they could get paid double if they catch one alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Earl is not thrilled about this at all. And then Ortega exits the movie. Yeah, he's just gone. He's gone. He's not going to stick around. No. <laughs> Which is surprising again, because it's like, you'd think that he would stick around at least just to be another body to rack yeah. up. But well, you could see like, if they wanted to keep him in the movie, they'd say well, he has to stay to confirm each kill or something like that. Right. To have someone from the company confirm each kill. There would have been an easy way of doing it. But at the, all, uh, at the same time, also, uh, you also like, I get the distinct impression. I didn't see anything in my research, but uh-huh. they were definitely knew that they were aiming for a much a young or a wider audience than yeah. the first one. Like the first one, they went back and redubbed to make it more acceptable. This one, you can tell that they went in with the idea. Like there's no F bombs. There's no very, very, very little swearing. No. In fact, I don't think there's any swearing I don't, at all. I don't think there's any. Yeah. And, and like, there's only one gratuitous scene. Yeah. And that's it. Um, and I remember even how they edited that scene specifically for like movies or for, uh, for TV. Yeah. It, they just, they don't show Julio getting eaten. That's it. Yep. Um, but anyway, um, that night they are kind of preparing for the hunts and kind of having having just some character building with between mostly Earl and Kate. Mm-hmm. Uh, while prepping, Earl and Kate get both ogle each other, and I do appreciate the symmetry. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's it's a nice touch, especially for the nineties. Um, because <laughs> Earl checks Kate's butt out, and then immediately after she checks his butt out. Mm-hmm. But, um, and uh, Earl tells Kate about the origins of the name, um, kind of just a nod to the first movie and, and how they officially named them, because the first movie they never got named. No. I mean, other than Walter dropping the Graboid's name, and then it, it, was, it was a nice touch that that's what they went with. Um, and Grady shows off the noisemaker chain that he made. It's very obnoxious. Yeah, it's loud. Um, but it's it's an idea. It's loud and will cause problems, just like Grady. <laughs> the next day, uh, Earl and Grady head out on their first hunt, and they use a remote control car and dynamite. Um, this works perfectly. It's kind of a cute shot the first time you see it, because it looks like 
it's supposed to be a full-size truck as uh-huh. it's driving along. And then you're like, oh, no, this film has no budget. And then, no, it is supposed to be a, a remote control truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, a pretty tongue-in-cheek humor in that regard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Probably a dig also at the fact that they did have their budget cut probably. to less than half. <laughs> <laughs> a fourth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, yeah, that's probably true. But uh, also, like, I always reflected on how clever of an idea. Like, if you're hunting graboids, this is a damn clever way uh-huh. of doing it. Like, that's pretty good. Like, the only problem is they're going to come for your, your big truck whenever you move to a different location. Right. And that's covered a little bit, but, mm-hmm. I mean... That's the idea. They're they're driving around trying to draw the graboids. Then they stop, be quiet, get the car yeah. out. So, it's it's dangerous work. But, um, but after this first one, we get a montage, mm-hmm. and it's not so dangerous work. It's, no, it's pretty. It's it, it's fun. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, and they're making a killing, literally. Yeah. <laughs> like I was even counting, like boom, fifty thousand, boom, fifty thousand, boom, fifty thousand. Yeah. Like, the only wow. thing is, like, how are they? How is the company confirming these kills? Um, the only thing that I can guess is, uh, later in the movie, Kate does say that there were, like, a total, like, she knows, they know the total number of yeah. graboids they had, because Kate and, uh, Julio had set up seismographs all over the valley, or all over the area right. of this friggin' hundred-mile stretch of land, and, um, they were able to kind of track them and see where they were, and that's, that's how, uh, Earl and Grady are able to track them, is they have a, a seismograph monitor that tells them where they are it's very very handy yeah <laughs> but that's that's my guess is that they know how many are in the area and at the okay. end they're just going to be like okay there's that there's no more either that or they're just going to go and find all of the craters with guts in them yeah <laughs> i don't know but like you were saying i think it would have made sense if ortega had had to stick around to confirm the kills right, yeah. but um but the montage ends with uh earl and grady's stereo getting swallowed up because um, Grady left it on the ground, and it's a goofy moment. Yeah, it is. Um, and it's kind of a throwback to in the first movie when the the uh, Graboid ate the, the radio the, in that one. Well, when the station wagon the went station, underground, yeah. 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 Um, and then, of course, the, they have a cut of at night, they're sleeping on a rock, and uh, you hear a coyote howling in the distance. Uh, and, and, and it's just cut off. <laughs> yeah, it gets eaten. Casualty coyote. Yep. Is that a coyote? Yep. Man, he better keep quiet. Yep. Then later, uh, they, they're starting to discuss what they're going to be doing with their impending fortunes. Um, Earl is talking about how to wisely invest this time. He's like, I'm not going to screw it up like I did last time. Grady has visions of grandeur and is like, I'm going to open a theme park. Yeah. And I mean, I even in 1990s, like... Because at this point, they, they said that they have, like, 300000 built yeah. up. I don't think a theme park is going to be less than $300,000. You could maybe open, like, a Gatorland. <laughs> and that's only if you were also disposing of bodies for the mob. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so Grady is... He's really thinking outside of his... Uh, you know what? Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Let the kid, let the kid dream. Um, He's like... I don't know, 21 or so. He's a dumbass. <laughs> yeah, my As favorite... all 21 years old. Are. Yeah, I'm, my favorite line, and I might have to... I'm going to save this line, and I might even use it for future reviews just to throw him in there. Uh-huh. But it was is when, when he's introduced, and Earl is like, Who are you? And why are you so dumb? <laughs> it's like, that's a pretty good description of Grady, but... Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, they're talking and Grady's umbrella because they have these cute little umbrellas. Yeah, to they're protect. like little child umbrellas. <laughs> I love it because of the the uh, the guts rain that cause right. is caused from the uh, the explosions. Um, and Earl has a little pink umbrella. <laughs> puts it up. It's great. I love it. There's Which, some really clever parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like the script is not the problem. With no, movie. it isn't. They they did what they had to do. It's the budget. Yeah. It's all it's of the, the budget. budget. It really is. So, um, but yeah, Grady's umbrella gets blown away. He goes to get it, and he's standing there, and pretty soon, like he's still talking. Earl's like, what "The hell are you doing? Get off of the damn ground, you uh-huh. idiot!" And Grady is just very full of himself, very confident. He's like, "Nah, whatever." And then you can hear the <laughs> music kind of building and muffled, and they're like, "What is? That? I what? recognize that song." Yeah, <laughs> I love one of my favorite lines of the movie is Grady's. Or Monster Land. Or Worm World. How about Looney World? Seems to fit. Get off the ground. It's vision, Earl. Vision is what separates the average. I know that song. Jesus! Get off the ground, Grady! Get off the ground! He's just so stupid. I lo- I love that. I, I I love this scene. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The graboid almost gets him. He run jumps into the truck. He's humbled by this. Um. And Earl prepares is tr- like rapidly trying to get uh, another little mm-hmm. RC car prepared when uh they realize that the graboid has accidentally snagged the chain on the back of their truck. Yep. And it takes him for a ride. Um, which is a, it's a fun sequence. It's a, it's a cute little, um, not quite a chase. It's not, it's not a chase. It's Definitely not, a chase. not. It's an action set piece, it's I guess you'd a, say. Yeah, it's just a little thing. Yeah, and, but I mean, it, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's, it doesn't it's over, just long enough. It doesn't overstay its welcome, and it's, the tone of it, especially with the music playing on the radio, right. is very apropos for what it's trying to do. Yeah. It's not supposed to be dramatic. It's not supposed to be suspenseful. No. It's just supposed to be fun. Yeah, it's, there's another little, like, sort of reference to the first movie where it's going towards the cliff, and you, they're like, oh, it's going to do just like the, uh-huh. the big one at the end of the first movie. And then it jerks to the side, and they almost go off the cliff, and yep. it's it's cute. It's fun. Um, and then they, uh, they eventually, the chain does break when the Graboid heads under, heads under a rock. Uh, they get a very lucky break, and especially lucky that the truck is not damaged. This truck takes an awful lot of abuse before it eventually goes down. Yeah. But uh, apparently the commotion has drawn a lot of graboids to the area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they they hightail it out of there and finally come up with the idea that they might need to call for some backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call Burt Gummer, because of course they do. Yeah. And we get the transition of Burt Gummer to protagonist of the series. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> From side character in the first movie to tertiary lead in this one to protagonist of the series yep. going forward. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Uh, it's just, and and we discussed it a little bit in the first one. I think it's mostly just because Bert is a fun character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a he's a lot more fun in this one, I think. Than I, in the agreed, first one. agreed. Oh yeah, well in the first one he was meant to be that kind of paranoid prepper. Yeah, and, and in this one he's still that very same character, but it's played but more for laughs. It is, it is. Like um, here in this scene, so that they call. They call Bert. Bert is watching a, a war documentary voiced by the director, S.S. Oh, Wilson. Okay. Yep. 
Uh, so that's that's one of S.S. Wilson's cameos in this movie. He had he had two, although one of them didn't make it. Oh, we'll talk about that in here in a bit. But um, he's uh, he's watching his war documentary in his in his rec room in from the first movie, uh-huh. and it is the same room. It's the same room, yeah. He's a slob though. It looks real bad. <laughs> he's eating chips, and he's sitting there in his underpants. And <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. And, um, like, I, for a moment, I was like, ah, oh, Bert, like, you're, you've really fallen away from the first movie. And then I looked over at my bag of Cheetos <laughs> and realized that I also wasn't wearing pants while I was watching this movie. <laughs> I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> See, that's when you just grab another handful of Cheetos and you say, the irony is not lost on me. And then you continue um, playing. But um, Bert, uh, Bert tells Earl that um, Heather went to visit her sister. So um, <laughs> there's there's where Reba McIntyre is. She's on tour with her sister. Yeah. And uh, and we get the the great <laughs> explanation that Bert's like he Heather blames their marital problems on the collapse of the Soviet <laughs> <Yeah>. Union <laughs> because she uh, <laughs> Earl's like, well, yeah, you did take that pretty hard, Bert. And she's yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> she accuses him of not being able to survive without the threat of nuclear war. Yeah. And it's great. Without, like, <laughs> without the threat of, um, like, looming global war. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, Bert, wait about 15 years. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, my God. It's just so funny. Like, that's the character Bert has become, and yeah. it's great. It, it's a good evolution for the character. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and then we also see that Bert has the head of the the graboid from That's, the first movie mounted on his rec room. It's wall. a funny little little gag. It's a very good visual gag because if like beforehand when they're just like panning over like his entire collection, there's a fucking cat head on the wall. <laughs> I didn't catch. There's that. Just, like an actual cat, head. like a, like a domesticated cat. Yes. Oh my god. And then it continues panning over to Bert, and then it does him, and then it pans further, and there's the big old graboid head, and I think like a coyote head or something yeah, like that next, or to a it. deer head or something. Something. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's good. It's a good visual gag. Um, so after they call Bert, uh, we get a scene where Kate is studying some fossils, and she discovers that the graboids likely date back to the Precambrian era, mm-hmm. which um, raises a lot of questions. A lot of questions because, uh, like, as the internet helpfully points out, the most is what the fuck did they eat? Yeah. <laughs> like. Other graboids. <laughs> yeah. See that. Okay. So I was starting to build a theory uh-huh. that, like, so we we learn that each graboid hatches into three shriekers. Yeah. And then each shrieker can multiply very, very fast and very, very quick, yeah. or, like very quickly and very easily. Um. And yet, there aren't that many graboids. See, I I had kind of theorized that the the shrieker evolution was much more recent. Sure. Because there weren't any in the first movie. See, my my uh, assumption was that in the first movie, the graboids just hadn't reached that point in their maturity. Okay, that could be up. But my theory, uh-huh. my theory, at least this is the one I was building, um, was that they evolved to basically <clears throat> like breed their own food source. Yeah, like they hatch into three. Each one of those can multiply mm-hmm. crazily. And then the other ones just eat them until maybe one of those was able to survive long enough to reach maturity. It's a okay. weird thing, but you know what? It works. And then when they reach maturity, do they turn back into graboids? Or Well, we don't know that because we've never seen it. Okay. Because, I mean, based off of evidence from future movies, we know that they evolve but... in further into the ass blasters. Correct. And then the ass blasters somehow make baby graboids. 
it, yeah, their life cycle is insane. It is. That's why I've always liked them as like radiation monsters because then it doesn't have to make sense. Right, right. Um, but uh, but they try to they try to shoehorn that these things are actual creatures from the pre-camera right. era. They're the um, oldest life forms that ever existed. Yeah. Um, and so that was my theory is that they were just eating each other back then. Right. Until I realized that if that were the case, they would be eating each other in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, the babies burst out of the adult. Yeah. But they don't eat it. No. And they don't eat each other. No. No. So, that doesn't make a lot of sense. No. Uh, so, unfortunately, I feel that that one... So, the, I, the, the backup theory is that Kate is just wrong. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a little bit more easy to believe that this random oil-funded geologist who has a single fossil that resembles something uh -huh. that they're dealing with at the time is correct about something that is insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what? Maybe maybe Kate's just not right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she's not great. But whatever. Um, but uh, Earl is pretty sad because he always thought they were aliens. He'd really put a lot of stock in the yeah. aliens thing. <laughs> It would have been funny if he would have made, like, ah, oh, shit, I owe Val ten bucks or something like that. <laughs> right. He's, like, it's along those lines, though. Yeah, he was yeah. just like, son of a... He's like, God, I always thought they were extraterrestrial. <laughs> Which is another callback to the first movie. Uh -huh. but, um, but this conversation is interrupted by what appears to be a massive Graboid approaching. Mm -hmm. But it, Bert... Yeah, they kind of telegraph what it is, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bert took full advantage of the Mexican military's offer for anything he could want, uh, including some pieces that he was hoping to add to his personal collection. Um, a, a freaking military truck and it's... just a ton of explosives. He really took advantage of this. <laughs> mm -hmm. As you would expect him to. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, he even straight up says, he's just like, they gave me uh, everything I could possibly want, plus a few items on my wish list. It's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's making fun of, of Earl and Grady. He's like, you just got a case full of dynamite? What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently a bunch of RC cars. Yep. I, he got some too, though. Yeah. Bert did get some, but... He got, um, a, he got an RC tank. Yeah, RC tank. Um... But he also got some elephant guns for Earl and Grady, mm -hmm. and he also got an anti-tank gun for an anti -tank himself. Gun and what appears to be some sort of giant bomb. It's a it's a it's a cannon shelling is cannon what it shelling? is, or like okay. a mortar, not a mortar, but um, yeah, I think it's just cannon shelling. Okay. Yeah, okay. which is probably one of the things he was wanting to. Yeah, keep. I don't see that coming in handy down here. But <laughs> yeah, no, he was he basically went to the Mexican government was just like. Yeah, wink, wink. I'm gonna need this stuff to hunt the graboids. <laughs> Trust me, you don't know anything about these. I do. Give me the uh -huh. stuff. So, um, which is a nice, it's funny touch, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, before heading out on the next hunt, Bert gives Earl and Grady some MREs, mm -hmm. and that's just seeding for the future. Um, Bert hunts in the same method, but he uses C4 instead of uh, the dynamite. Uses four pounds of C4. It's a bit overkill. It is. <laughs> He's also filming himself, um, right? <laughs> documentary style, uh, or like military documentary right. style, and uh, he it, says that he's using the method first uh, pioneered by, by uh, Earl, and <laughs> it works. But he, he needs to tone it down. Um, meanwhile, Earl and Grady notice that one of the graboids seems to be heading away from them, despite them making a bunch of noise. Uh, Earl immediately goes into PTSD mode. Yeah. He's like, they're getting smarter. That's what they do. They're yeah. building a trap. They're trying to ambush us. They're doing something. He's, he is really having issues with this. Um, but they do decide to follow it to try to figure out what's going on. 
Um, and they end up finding it laying on the surface and acting strange. Uh, Earl ends up inadvertently wrecking his truck into a big ditch. Um, and uh, they're, they prepare to fight it off, but it, it's making some real unpleasant sounds uh-huh. that are honestly pretty haunting. Yeah, like, it sounds it sounds like a sick animal. Yeah, like I love these sounds, like because mm-hmm. they are just very effective at what they're supposed to communicate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God Almighty! Jesus, listen to it, poor thing. And eventually they determine that it's probably sick. It's not going anywhere. It's not doing anything. Grady even runs up and slaps it. Yeah. Well, first they, they drive a little remote <laughs> truck into it. And just boop right yeah, in its snoot. <laughs> try, to, try to get it to eat it, but it's like, no. Um, and instead of killing it, though, they opt to call Pedro to bring his flatbed so that they can get themselves a live one. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, they got to wait for Pedro to come bail him out anyway, so they're like, may as well. Yeah. Um, that night, while well, they're waiting for Pedro, because they are, you know... They're marooned. They're, they're Well, they're... And they're out in the middle of nowhere, yeah. hours away from base camp. So, the, it, it takes until well after dark that, uh, that they're there. And they're bantering with Bert. They can hear his explosions in the distance. Um, Bert lets them know that he... He got one that had the chain hanging out of its mouth. Yeah. So, there's the, uh, conclusion of that. Um, but they rebuttal with, like... Oh yeah, well we got a live one. Ooh, ha, ha, burn, burn on you, Bert. Um, but it starts crying out again, making really, really awful sounds, and they theorize that something must be eating it. Uh, Grady wants to check out what's going on and protect it. Earl's like, "No, fucking let it eat it. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, double or not, double or regular. I don't care." Um, but they do eventually go over and check, and they find that it has been burst open and is very dead um when they try to radio back they find that the comms are down and they can hear another one screaming out in the Mm -hmm. distance and this entire sequence from the from the moment that this thing is like ill through the rest of the night is to me one of the best cinematic moments of any horror movie like (laughs) this is terrifying like you go from a very light-hearted like romp just mm-hmm. kind of making fun of the characters making fun of the first movie you know joyful uh, um, uh-huh. very very um friendly ribbing at it and just having fun to suddenly like oh shit we don't know what's going on and this yeah. it is horrifying it is an absolute like legitimate spine tingling moment <laughs> um and i i adore this entire bit um they they are thoroughly sp- spooked uh and they see pedro's truck in the distance like okay there he is finally but he stops and it's like okay what's going on maybe he's maybe he's you know take a leak maybe he needs to pee Mm -hmm. but they wait and wait and wait and he doesn't seem to be getting any closer so they start panicking They're like what do we do what we gotta do something um, so they decide to, uh, against Earl's best wishes, to trek across hundreds of yards of open ground. Uh, they gear up as best they can with weapons and ammunition and, and a seismograph. <laughs> and uh, they head over to Pedro's truck. Um, they find that his truck has been torn to shreds. Mm-hmm. Like, the engine is just completely yeah, the, the front of it is out. just gone. Yeah, it's destroyed. 
and only Pedro's hands remain gripping yeah. the like the uh, the headache bar on the back. Like, yeah, like someone did a fatality on him for Mortal Kombat, <laughs> right? And Earl freaks at this, and yeah. again, like this is such a haunting moment because again, if you don't know what's going to happen, if you've never encountered mm-hmm. or had any kind of knowledge of the Shriekers. This would be super terrifying. It's right. like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. That don't do this. Well, it, and like, it couldn't have been a Graboid that got him because where he is is not a place a Graboid could get to. Right. And it, the Graboids don't shred trucks. No. And yeah. And uh, I mean, Earl even mentions before when they, uh, when they're looking at it and they're like, something burst out of it, like, like a, you know, like a caterpillar. Yeah. He's just like, but it's probably not a butterfly. Yeah. And so it's. It gives the idea that there is something new out there, but you don't know what. And it's a very creepy moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they see a um, an unmanned radio station not far away. They all they so they decide to go up into that. They're like, maybe mm-hmm. we can finally call for help. Um, and they get up there and find that it has also been torn to shreds. Right. It is just destroyed. Uh, originally, there was a scene planned where Earl and Grady would be walking through this radio station, and there'd be a bunch of bodies. Um, so it wasn't unmanned <laughs> in the original script, but the scene was cut not only due to the budget, but also pacing. Oh, yeah. So, um, they continue freaking out, perplexed by how smart the Graboids seem to have gotten or whatever it is that's doing this. You know, it's, it's taking out any means of them contacting home base and getting back home. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they do find an undamaged car, which again, kind of begs the question, like, this is unmanned. Where's that car? But whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, well, it's an unmanned car. <laughs> it is an unmanned car. That's yeah. true. Um, <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> but uh, Grady jumps to hotwire it, um, and they hear a noise and take position behind the car to fight off whatever it is. So whatever came out of the graboid is approaching, mm-hmm. um, and they anticipate a huge monster. Like they keep thinking it's getting bigger and, and bigger. And there's a shadow that's looming around the corner, and it looks like it's going to be all big, but mm-hmm. it's just you know perspective and stuff. Yeah, because it's just a little chicken graboid, little chicken guy, little little chicken man. Um, so, uh, apparently there were two designs originally, uh, conceived for the Shriekers. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that didn't get used was, uh, ended up getting recycled into the bugs for Starship Troopers. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's cool. And you can see it. Once you, you can hear see that, it. you yeah, can see it. It makes sense. Yeah. Phil Tippett. They got the, the same mouth. Yeah. Exactly. The, uh, Phil Tippett, the head of the effects department, he worked on both films at roughly the same time. Okay. So that's where that came from. Um, but yeah, so let's, let's talk about their design a little bit because I, I feel like we haven't done that enough in previous ones. We did a little bit in Monster Hunter, mm-hmm. but, um, I mean, as far as an evolution to the Graboids, I think these things are really good. They're neat. They're, they're neat designs. Like I really like them. Um, it, like you can definitely tell that they're related to the Graboids. They've got the same head structure. Yeah. Yeah. They got the same mouth and jaw mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. That like kind of try full like bottom jaw right, right. i don't know what you'd call that but and even the tongue is reminiscent of the, uh-huh. the adults but they have like these dinosaur legs yeah <laughs> two-legged things and i don't know i little stubby tail and... anytime i see them mm-hmm. like earl calls them, earl calls them a, uh, a variety of things throughout the movie that are very to me creative uh-huh um but the one that stuck with me always is he calls them plug uglies yeah and that's exactly what i think i don't when think I they ever call these. them shriekers in this movie do the, they? they don't the okay according to imdb oh um the the name shriekers i i tried to listen for it the 
I, I forget exactly what it was. I didn't write it down. But according to IMDb, they said that, like, according to, um, or in, in line with Tremor's tradition, uh, the name Shriekers likely came from Grady when he called them Shriekers. I was like, I don't remember him calling them Shriekers in the movie. Yeah. Also, them doing it once is not tradition. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do it more than once for it to become a tradition, man. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know where that comes from, but no, they are never given names in this movie, That's just like in the first one. Yeah, which which is the tradition. <laughs> yeah, which is the tradition until this until the third one. Right. This is the last time this, this the tradition breaks after yeah, the second yeah. time. But, um, but yeah, they aren't called shriekers until the third one. Um, but I always think of them as the plug uglies. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they, uh, I like their design. I mm-hmm. think it's a very effective design. Um, and the practical effects, though the, the puppets are pretty stiff and the animatronics aren't Great. much better, yeah. they do look good. They, like Just from a visual standpoint, as like not in motion, just as a physical object, they look good. Mm-hmm. But when they, they do look stiff when they're trying to move, and there's that one scene where they're trying to get it out of the back of Bert's truck, and you can very much tell it's the actors moving the puppet. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> you could tell they're the ones shaking yeah. it. But... You could you could see just the director off screen like shake them more, shake them more, make it look angry, shake them more. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, I do enjoy like anytime they need to move or run, that's uh-huh. when they're CG. Yeah, and I do think that the 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 way they move is also very good. Like I like looking at them run. Mm-hmm. Even though the CG is kind they, of stilted, but they took a lot from the Velociraptors from Jurassic Park. Right, right. Um, Which I mean, if you're going to draw from a place, is not a bad place to draw from. Right. Um, but Earl and Grady shoot it dead, and uh, they finish hot wiring the car just as a group uh, more of these things show up. We then find Bert, who, after discovering the downed radios, has decided to return to home base. On the way, he's ambushed by the creatures, and it cuts away. Apparently, a scene was both scripted and filmed of Bert fighting off of the ambush, even um, and even featured uh, S.S. Wilson, the director, stunt doubling as Bert climbing mm-hmm. out of the the windshield of the truck and fighting them off. Uh, the scene was evident, evidently scrapped because they they were never happy with the way the sh- the CG Shriekers oh. looked in the in the night backdrop. I can see that, like, and seeing how they look elsewhere in CG like yeah, you can imagine yeah. they looked they probably looked really bad. So no the, cutting that was probably a good call. Right. Also I think that not seeing the events is probably and just having a, Bert show up later. Is, yeah, I think it's yeah. a much more impactful thing. We don't need to see the action no, sequence no. of Bert being a freaking, you know, <laughs> we don't need to see him Arnold Schwarzeneggering his way through these right. things. So um the next day Kate is worried that about everybody because nobody has showed up. They she can't reach anybody. Um, Julio pops into a window and is talking to her. He's, he's going to head out and try to find anybody, but then yeah. he gets got. He gets eaten immediately, so by, what an impact in this he had. Mm-hmm. And that's the most gratuitous scene. Is, it is. is, scene, it is. Just a quick shot of the, the Shrieker eating his leg. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the, like, the only thing they had to cut from the, uh, the TV, <laughs> TV edit. edit. Yeah. yeah. Um, Earl and Grady show up just in the nick of time to save Kate, and they kill it. Um, and Kate gets over Julio's death real quick. Real quick, yeah. Uh, but before they can leave, though, uh, they find that there's one of them on top of their car that has just shredded the engine. Uh-huh. And so, they're again, they're freaking out. Like, how the hell are these things so smart? They keep cutting us off. Um, but they uh, they kind of put together that 
three uh, three shriekers came out of each graboid, mm-hmm. and there were so many sh- graboids left that there couldn't be more than twenty four shriekers out and about. Right, right. So, Which is um, still an awful lot of them. It's it's a decent amount. Um, Bert shows up looking like hell. Yeah. Uh, and we get the uh, we get the line that uh, my partner uh, Penny is very 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 fond of quoting. Um, I am completely out of ammo, but I actually really enjoy the, just. I, I That's enjoy, never happened to me before. <laughs> yeah, Michael Gross's description of the events right. leading up to that line, and then the never happened before. I love so much. I'm going to put that in. Yeah, because I think it's a really good. Starting with the, I feel I was denied um, critical, critical information. No information. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I, it's a very good monologue, and it I'm, I'm going to yeah. put it in. I feel I was denied critical. Need to know information. Well, when the radios went out, I decided to return to the refinery. But en route, I find I'm in an ambush situation. Must have been a couple of dozen of these things. Well, I dropped the first wave with semi-auto fire, but they just kept coming. Sheer luck, most of them were in front of the truck, so I just popped it in the sixth wheel and ran them down. Ones that got on board, I handled with a combination of small arms fire and hand-to-hand techniques. I am completely out of ammo. That's never happened to me before. You can tell that Michael Gross was, or yeah, Michael Gross was making a meal out of this role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he, you, you can tell he enjoys the role. Oh yeah, and well that's why he keeps coming back to do it. Yeah, no, you, you, it's definitely evident in this movie, and even when he's technically really. not playing Burt Gummer. <laughs> <laughs> even when, yeah, oh my god, I, I do really want to cover that movie at some point. It's, it's that's, weird. That's a fun one, um, for different reasons. But yeah. anyway, um. But yeah, it would seem that Bert took out all of them, according to Grady. Yeah. Therefore, Bert took out all of them. This brings up a lot of issues. First of all, Earl and Grady left up at least three at the radio station. Right. At the same time Bert was getting was running them over yeah, with the truck. Yeah. Also, the chances of these things not finding like a prairie dog and then multiplying then and then going every like yeah there's no there's a there is a zero percent possibility that there are all like they got all of these things there's, right there's just no way so yeah i i'm not really sure how much water that the theory that bert got got them all holds, well i mean but they didn't they at this point they didn't know how they multiply and how fast they multiply that's true so i that's true but yeah. they never come back to this no. they never circle back like later on they're like I would think that maybe after the the end of the movie, they'd be like, you know, there's probably more of them out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then again, I, I think that if I had gone through all of this and was ready to go home, I'd just be like, that's somebody else's, else's problem. Yeah, somebody else's problem. They're the, o- the oil now. company owns me money. <laughs> oil company owns me money, and they can deal with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, the uh, Bert did manage to capture one alive for research purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they pull his truck into the warehouse and they move, move the beast into the lab where they can study it. But it would seem that one of them survived on the bottom of his truck. Yeah. Cause he mentions running several over mm-hmm. and he starts to eat his MREs. Dun, dun, dun. Which is really funny. Cause at this point you have no idea what that means. Yeah. You, you know, it's <laughs> ominous. You just don't know why. You're right. <laughs> um, oh, it's hungry. It's okay. <laughs> eating foil wrapped pop tart or whatever. Um, 
in the lab, they determine how the creature perceives its surroundings, um, which is, of course, via heat sensing. Right. It's got these little flaps that fold up on its head. Um, they learn that it is completely blind, completely deaf, and that is literally the only way it can perceive and communicate. Yeah. Because uh, they all they figure out that their screams, though they do make noise, that's not the point. They give off a lot of heat when they scream, and mm-hmm. that's how they alert each other. Which, again, as far as, like, biologically um, design goes, I think is a really good idea. It's, it's a neat. neat. It's a neat yeah. idea. It doesn't hold much water when you think about how the fact that they're in the desert, and therefore everything's probably hot. Right. But whatever. Um... These creatures, uh, the uh, the screamers' screams were created by combining whale calls and baby crying. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, they, they sound unique, they're very good, but that's how they did it. And okay. it's horrifying. <laughs> um, and they also determined that that is why these things have been acting so smart, is because all they do is attack anything that's warm. Mm-hmm. So they act smart because they're actually pretty stupid. <laughs> it's just a coincidence, which again is from us, from a writing standpoint, pretty good. Right. Um, Grady feeds the captive one an MRE and it births up a baby and the baby immediately grows up like really, really fast. Yeah. It's a gross scene. <laughs> it's very unpleasant. And again, haunting, um, Kate, clearly a geologist and not a biologist, I misidentifies yeah. them as hermaphrodites before she's attacked by one from the window to the warehouse. Yeah. I think you, like, Kate, I think you mean they reproduce asexually? <laughs> not that they're hermaphroditic. Those are different. They, no, those, words mean things. Words mean things. Those are different. Stick to your field, lady. Yeah. Stick to rocks. <laughs> Although, as we judged earlier, she may not know those very well either. Yeah, that's true, too. She might just, I think she's just excitable. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, the, they find out that there is a whole bunch of them in the warehouse now because they got into Bert's MREs. Um, the group retreats out of the building because they, they are now, like, they didn't bother closing doors. Right. Because why would they? They didn't think it would be an issue. Now it's an issue. So they retreat to what appears to be a different building but is actually just an unfinished facade. Like it was a film set or something. Mm, weird. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's like... <laughs> I can't help but wonder, like, Grady and Earl have clearly spent days here. Yeah. Weeks, perhaps. How did Grady never notice that this building was unfinished? I don't know. He's dumb. He is dumb. Who are you? And why are you so dumb? But they do devise a plan to hide themselves using doors in order to make their way to Julio's truck. Because that's the only vehicle in the area that they can feasibly get to and can run still. Um... On the way, though, they encounter a single shrieker that's kind of in between them and the truck. And Bert shoots it with his last bullet from his anti-tank gun. Mm-hmm. And we get a really cool shot. Following the, its trajectory. Yeah. The, yeah. The, everything about this scene is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, other than you can see in the... Uh, when when Bert shoots the gun and uh, the window on the shed that they're in front of shatters from mm-hmm. the shockwave, uh, you can see a little hole punched where a, uh, one of the stagehands hits it with a ball-peen hammer. <laughs> it's like in the opposite corner from where it ex- the, the, the window uh-huh. shatters, and it's really funny. You just see a hole appear there, and then it shatters. That's but anyway. Um, but uh, but it, it's still a cool shot. And then, yeah, the, the pan from... Like following through the trajectory is really cool. Also, I think the just the explosion of the shrieker is really well done. It goes up. <laughs> um, but uh, the group approaches Julio's truck. They find that the bullet went through a brick wall, 
two oil drums, a shed, and finally through the engine block of Julio's truck. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bert gives one of his catchphrases of the movie. I didn't know. How could I have known? Um, in a panic, they begin making their way to the cantina, but they get spotted because they forget that they were like they were just full panic mode. I think. Right. And Earl and Kate sprint to the cantina. Grady climbs up an oil silo, and Bert jumps into the bucket of a tractor. Uh, inside the cantina, Earl, Earl and Kate realize that they aren't going to be safe for long as the shriekers start breaking down the door. So Earl heats up a shirt in the sink and sends it along a clothesline to distract the monsters. And Kate uses a broken bottle to cut one of their tongues off. She has to prove that she's not useless. Yep. Uh, they run to the oil towers for relative safety. Um, and up there, Earl reflects that he's done this before. He's not thrilled to be doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> Which, who can blame him? Yeah, really. Um, and we have a moment of sometime later, they, they, they argue about whose fault it is. This is Bert is really getting upset about a lack of intel again. Um and, uh, but Kurt, later on, Kate and Earl Bond, uh, he learns that apparently she's the playmate from the centerfold he had up in his trailer. Which is a bit too much of a coincidence. Mm-hmm. It would have been much funnier if she would have been the playmate from the previous month. Oh my god, that would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> or just any other month. No, just the, pr- like just the, the previous, previous month. month. <laughs> he, mi- he missed her by one month. That would be hilarious. W- wouldn't that have been a better twist? That would have been really good. But no, it's his suddenly, it, it's supposed to be a metaphor for right. how his unattainable goals are suddenly attainable. Yeah, I know, I know. Whatever. It would, it just, it, it would have been, been hilarious. So much better if it would have been the previous month. Uh-huh. And he's just like, oh, you're, you're whatever, March 1975 or whatever it was. Uh-huh. And she's like, no, I was, I was February. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would have been a really good gag. Yeah. But, no, it's just, this is another weird coincidence. Mm-hmm. I think this one falls just short of, on my disbelief meter, of uh, Grady not knowing where rock, paper, scissors is. Yeah. I'll believe this more than that. But, yeah. Um, their romance is cut short, though, when the Shriekers start stacking themselves up to get to the trio on the tower. Yeah. Displaying the only level of intelligence these things have. Because up until now, they are just literally like, bite what's hot, that's it. Okay, so are... The Shriekers cold... No, because they release heat. That's how they communicate, correct? Mm-hmm. So why aren't they constantly eating each other? Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah. And so they, they must know... E- like, maybe it's like a, a heat signature or I something. Know. I don't know either. It's weird. Yep. These things don't make sense, but no, that's don't. that's fine. It, they don't need to. It's a monster movie. Mm. <laughs> they make more sense than most other monster movies. Like, so. they attempted to describe... When you start attempting to describe the monster, you run into the, the logic problems. Uh-huh. Like if they just if they hadn't put so much effort into describing these things biology, I would not have questions. That's yeah. They should have. They, they probably should have stuck with the first movie's one where it was just like the characters speculating, but no answers right. are actually given. Yeah. And honestly, to be fair, that's it's, almost what they do yeah. here. I think it's a little bit more confirmed, especially it, when you get the monster heat vision. Yeah, but yeah. Whatever. Um, and also, it looks bad when they're stacking up. <laughs> the CGI does not look good. No, this is where it really falls apart. Um, but, uh, Bert uses the opportunity to hop out of the bucket of the tractor and lead them back into the warehouse and he locks them in it. Um, while everybody is celebrating, they hear the Shriekers breeding and discover that the warehouse is full of sweet snack foods for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why an oil company has all of this in there and I don't know why the Shriekers didn't get into it the first time they were in here. <laughs> I don't know, man. But now they're, they're going ham on all of these little, <laughs> these sweet foods. Yeah. Cause this candies. is where... 
they were originally because this is where Bert's truck is. So uh-huh. it's the same building. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yep. It's it, weird. It, it starts to fall apart this again. Is, but... We ran out of money. We need to end this. Uh-huh. Um, but they realize that now the Shriekers are just going to keep multiplying and eventually probably burst out just because of sheer numbers. <laughs> Which would have been a funny scene. That would have been some critter <laughs> shit there. Yeah, it would have. <laughs> um, so they need to figure out what to do. Uh, Earl comes up with the idea that... Um, oh, and, and we get Bert's, uh, Bert's uh, follow-up to on his... Uh, um, his catchphrase of I didn't know. How could I have known? Earl decides to get into the warehouse under the cover of CO2 and get some bombs from Bert's truck. Yeah. Uh, question mark, question mark, question mark, profit. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just, he wants to get weapons. That's the only weapons they have available are just bombs. Right. So he's yeah. like, let's just do that. Um, Grady argues with him wanting to go instead because he's Grady's like, I got everybody into the situation. Let me go. I'll be brave for once. Mm-hmm. And uh, they play rock, paper, scissors and Earl cheats because, because Grady doesn't know yeah. what rock, paper, scissors is still. Yeah. And then I am convinced at this point that Earl turns into a different man. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's like, oh, I gotta cover my head and put on gloves so you can't see any part of my body. Because I do not want to get sprayed with a fire extinguisher. I mean, that's probably true. Yeah. <coughs> and then, like, when he's all froze up, all you can see occasionally is a little A face looking through the uh-huh. coat. Because he doesn't wear the coat like a person would wear a coat. Yeah. He wears the coat like it's a bonnet. Well, he yeah, and he has a shirt wrapped around his face too. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's got to be a stuntman, right? It's <laughs> oh, not... absolutely. Yeah, they're not gonna, they're not gonna you, freaking you can... frost up poor, poor Fred Ward. And then you can hear his dubbed voice when he's going into the building, like he's been ADR'd in, like, a, oh, wow, this is really cold. It's really cold, guys. <laughs> so cold. <laughs> I'm so cold right now. Um, but he he goes in. Um, he grabs a bomb just as his disguise starts to melt. And so he just kind of just activates the bomb, punching a bunch of buttons and tossing it into the truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside Grady, Kate and Bert rescue him with using a fire hose and getting him out of the roof. Yeah. It's just a neat little action scene. I don't really care personally. Yeah. Um, they start running to take cover, but when Bert finds out what Earl did, he's just like, Oh shit. We got to keep going. We got to go, 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 go. And uh, <laughs> they're like, what, really? And Earl's like, Bert knows his bombs. So we gotta go. Yeah. They they end up running all the way to the road and take cover in a ditch. And boy, is it an explosion. It's a hell of an explosion, yeah. <laughs> it leaves a crater. Yes, it does. <laughs> it doesn't just take out the building. It takes out the surrounding area. It leaves a fucking crater. Yep. Like a meteor strike hit. <laughs> They blew up Bert's wish list. <laughs> like, that tank shelling was in there. Like yes, it there was. was everything was in there. It's and he says that there's something like a ton of plastic explosives in there or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. It, like it's a ridiculous amount. It is a huge amount. And so yeah, it it would be in a big explosion. Yeah. So it decimates everything. <laughs> yeah. I do think there's a point where explosives like reach a critical yield where it's like. It's adding more explosives into this explosion isn't going to make it explode any bigger. Right. Honestly, well, I mean, it could have just been the biggest explosion he had right, in there right, he yeah. was worried about. Which is fair. Which is fair. Yeah. yeah. Although, I do also think that you blowing up the warehouse of an oil refinery... 
That's going to cause other problems. Yeah, that we don't see. Yeah. So... You don't see all the fires off in the distance. <laughs> all the pipelines explode. Yeah, it's, everything is just going up. Um, oh, but... shit, we Saudi Arabia. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but uh, after the explosion, they are all safe. And, yeah, they discuss payment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, wow, we, we blew up their refinery, but, boy, do they owe us a lot of money. That sure was an adventure, everyone. Now, how are we getting out of here? <laughs> Um, and that was Tremors 2. That was. So, uh, like, I, I definitely think that even though it's, I wouldn't say it's a good movie, I think it's a fun movie. It, it's a it's, very, very it's fun, fun movie. It's fine, yeah. It, there's a lot of fun stuff to it, especially all the little nods to the first movie and stuff like that. I It's completely kneecapped by its budget. Yeah. Um, both in terms of, like, how many people they have on camera and the special effects and... What they were able to do. What they were able and... to do, like... If this movie would have had its original budget, I do think it would have been something really special. It, I like agree. The first movie. I agree. Yeah, it was only filmed in twenty-seven days. That's that's a short shooting time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's unfortunate. It really is. Yeah, there's a lot of what could have been in this movie. I blame Apollo thirteen. <laughs> but um, so let's. Uh, I guess let's head on over to that crunch then. Okay. A nitty bitty ditty, and it goes like this: is a story of a worm. This is my story. Story of a worm. And you better listen. Story of a worm. Or I'm gonna take you down. Wait, what? With my army of chickens. Chickens? I thought you had cats. I also have chickens. Okay. All right. So welcome back to the crunch. This one was a lot harder than yeah, I you anticipated. Said you had problems. <laughs> like when I first conceived of doing this movie, um, when I like entertained the thought of it, honestly, like a year ago, I was like, "Oh, it'll be fun. It'll be a good stat block to do." And then I sat down to do it, and I'm like, "I don't, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> heat, heat vision isn't a thing in in vanilla D and D. It's not. No. Um. So yeah." Um, while I was working on this, I realized that I think that a lot of this is more in the description and like behavioral descriptions of mm-hmm. these creatures, uh, which don't, aren't really represented well in stat blocks. No, they're not. Um, so I, I did the best I could. Um, it probably requires some tweaking, but we'll see. Um, I made what I called the heat screamer. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> I wanted it to kind of piggyback off of the naming convention of the Screamy Worm. Right. But Shrieker is already what it's normally called, so yeah. it was tricky. But uh, but the Heat Screamer, it's a small beast. Could have called it the Screamy Chicken. Could have. I didn't. Okay. Um, but it's a small beast. It's neutral. Um, I gave it a challenge rating of only one-fourth. Okay. Uh, it's got an AC of 13, average of 24 hit points, speed of 30 feet, um, plus one in strength, plus three in dexterity, Plus zero in constitution, uh, negative two in intelligence, okay. a negative three in wisdom, and a negative two in charisma. Oh wow! Okay, their yeah. stats are bad. Yeah, I mean, so were the uh, the graboids, the screamy worms, as it were. I I, I didn't give them great stats uh, or attributes, but I mean, they're blind, so their wisdom is not going to yeah. be good. Um, Everyone knows that blind people can't be wise. <laughs> what? I don't. I don't agree with that statement. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. exactly what you said. <laughs> <I'm> s- 
It is literally what you... They're blind, so they can't be wise, is what she said. So their wisdom is going to be low. I hate the wisdom stat. And I hate that the perception is based off of the wisdom. Yeah. Man, I'm thinking D&D might be a bad game. There are issues, there are issues. Also, I give them blindside out to 120 feet. Oh, okay, so they can see. Okay, cool. They absolutely can see. So this, this creature, who's like one of its only notable features is that it's blind, can see. Can see out to 120 feet. Can actually see better than people who can normally see. I'm not ragging on you, Matt. I'm ragging on the system. I know you're doing exactly the best you can with the tools that you were given, but... Uh, the tools, in fact, may be flawed. <laughs> also, let me explain a bit. Uh, yeah. My original plan was to just put senses special, like you've done in the past, right, right. and then give them a trait where they, they can see heat. But I realized that in the description of only being able to see things that are warm, they would just be bumping into walls and, yeah. like, obstacles and stuff. They wouldn't perceive obstacles, but they clearly can in the movie. Yeah. So that's why I gave them blind sight, and I followed it up with their only trait called heat attraction. The heat screamer will only attack sources of heat and ignore all else. Okay, so wizard folk are safe. <laughs> exactly. Okay, cool. And constructs. Well, okay. depending on how the construct is. If it's steam powered, it's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, that's, like, introducing a heat yeah. striking animal into D&D is a very interesting concept, because there's a lot of problems with that. Yeah. So that would make it interesting. Also, one of the reasons why these things have such a low challenge rating. Yeah. But yeah, that's why I gave them the blind sight, because, I mean, in the movie, they clearly perceive their surroundings to a degree. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway, um, it's only got a passive perception of seven. Uh, it knows no languages, and it's got a proficiency bonus of plus two. And then its actions, I only gave it two of them. Um, it's got a tongue, which is a melee weapon attack. Uh, it's plus five to hit. I based it off its dexterity. Okay. It's got a range of ten feet. If it does hit, it only does 1d4 plus one bludgeoning damage. Okay. It doesn't hurt much. It, they use it more as a sensory op, uh, like tool, than anything else. Um, and then the bite, though. The bite is a little bit more dangerous. It's a melee weapon attack, plus three to hit with a range of five feet and one target. This deals 2d8 plus one piercing damage. That's ten. Yeah. Which is considerably more than a challenge rating four creature should be yeah, doing. Yeah, it's kind of high. But, I mean, if they're only attacking heat, then it, that's going to kind of help offset right. that. Also, they have lower HP than a challenge rating one four creature should have. So that helps offset, offset a little bit as well. But if the heat screamer deals at least five damage with this attack, then it becomes stunned. So not the target, the, the, heat, seek, the heat screamer becomes stunned until the start of its next turn. But then it uses this entire turn to produce another tiny version of itself. <laughs> this offspring joins the initiative and spends its first action doing nothing. At the end of its turn, it matures, growing to a small size and acting normally. So if these creatures do five damage to you, they tear off a chunk and uh, <laughs> eat it and reproduce. Okay. And that's it. Like, that's what these things do. Mm -hmm. So um, another reason why they're only a challenge rating four is because I imagine there's going to be a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're going to reproduce pretty quick. Mm -hmm. But it is it does give the party ample opportunity to stop that from happening, because in this state, in this case it takes two full rounds for a, right. a second one to show up. But, yeah, I don't know. I, again, I don't know how well that's going to work in combat situations. These things were fucking hard.
but um, that's what I think. Because you're so simple. <laughs> yeah. They, they just, like you were saying, the, the tool set that I was given is just uh-huh. it's tricky. So, and again, most of the most of these things' uniqueness is going to come in the description that you accompany the stat block, not right, the stat block right. itself. But, uh, so that's what I've got. All right, then. Um, so that, uh, Chris, next week is, um, next, next episode is your episode. Yes, uh, what are we doing? Okay, so, um, when I was looking up how to watch Tremors 2, uh-huh. uh, I originally found that it was on Tubi. Okay. And I was like, kick ass, it's on Tubi, I can just fucking watch it. Right, like a normal person. <laughs> and then I waited a couple days later until the weekend, and I went on Tubi to watch it. It's not there anymore. anymore. It got removed. And I was upset. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, I am picking something that is on Tubi, and I hope it stays there. Um, We are watching Call Girl of Cthulhu. (laughs) I saw a review of this on another horror website, Mm -hmm. and it sounded like a lot of fun. Okay. Is that Call Girl or Call Girl of Cthulhu? Or is it Call Girl of Cthulhu? (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm just... Never mind. Okay. Call, call the prostitute. Yes. Okay, that's a... Yeah, yeah. I thought it's it two words. Good. Yeah, I was wondering how much of a space is in between. <laughs> it could just be call, colon, girl of Cthulhu. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it makes sense to me. So, anyway, next... So next time, vocalized uh, fucking punctuation, man. Um, so that's in two weeks. Uh, watch that movie in the meantime if you want to follow it's along. It's on Tubi, apparently. Yep, it's on. For the, for the time it's being. It's on Tubby. Um, Tubby. And, uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening. We do really appreciate it. I'm looking at you, California. Is California still up on? Uh, California, well, I mean, we, we had a, we've had a few, a fair few downloads from California hey, recently. Nice. So, Singapore fell off. Oh, so, oh no, I hope Singapore's okay. Yeah. I hope they didn't join our Russia friend. <laughs> Oh, God, I forgot about Russia, friend. I hope you're okay, Russia, friend. It's um, been rough over there lately. It's been pretty rough. But, um, uh, but yeah, and, uh, I mean, there's, there's a few other states, too, but California has been California's the biggest big. hits. So, look at you. Thank you for so much for listening. We really do really appreciate it. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, you know, share it with a friend. If you, if you hated the podcast, uh, recommend it to an enemy. Um... If you really enjoyed the podcast and you would like to support us as well as getting a huge amount of extra D&D compatible com- content, uh, including just a ton of stat blocks, I I actually compiled, I, I updated our compiled list of stat blocks recently. Let me check to see how many there are. Because, I mean, we've got, uh, this is episode 46. Um, there have made, you know, with the... the uh, there have, of course, been the, a couple holiday episodes, right. and there were a few episodes where we've done multiple stat blocks. So I would say cons- a conservative estimate, probably about 52 stat blocks that we have available on the main feed. Mm-hmm. Um, altogether, though, ignoring this one, because obviously I haven't done this one, or the uh, Critter Kibbles for um, the Critter Kibbles for Monster in Paris. I'll just add two things. Yeah, just add two things. Um, well, no, the Kibbles didn't have the Monster in Paris. Never mind. Oh. No, I don't even think I had. Anyway, we've got 139 stat blocks. That's a lot of stat blocks. Yes. 
Oh, I forgot about the comics crunches, but still 139. Yeah. So we've got more than double stat blocks just from the the uh, from the kibbles alone. Yeah. Um, that doesn't include all of the magic items and backgrounds, feats, um, lineages, and other mm-hmm. other player options that we have. It's available. enough stuff for a really stupid source book. <laughs> it really is, which is the goal. That's that's my intention. Um, and also, I'm officially looking into putting together a dungeon with Ooh, some of the stuff in spooky. it. So, um, but uh, but yeah. So if you'd like to support us, and get some all of that content. Just five bucks a month gets you the swamp heap level. Um, we'd really appreciate that as well. If mm-hmm. you can't swing that five bucks a month, I get it. Yeah, everything uh, sucks for everyone. We have a we have a one dollar a month tier, the fur buddy level. Uh, just using it as a tip jar for the time being. But mm-hmm. if we do get some support, I would love to add some actual like perks to that. Um, kind of see what happens there, but uh, with that, links are in the description for socials and stat blocks and things, which I also updated. Yeah, <laughs> and depending on what happens, Twitter may not be around by the time this episode comes out. Oh yeah, it's been it's been oh, a bad it's yeah. been a bad time for it's been a bad time for that site. Thanks to the Musk Man. Yeah, well, you know, Musk Man cometh. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Bye. See you in two weeks. Bye.